0: Press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front.
1: From the Journalists of the Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Monday, February 6. A majority of Australians support an Indigenous voice to Parliament. That's according to a news poll conducted exclusively for the Australian. The poll showed 56% of voters are in favour of the constitutional change, while 37% oppose it. The new figures have landed on Parliament's first day back for the year and follow a suggestion by Patrick Dodson, the government's special envoy for reconciliation, that the voice be expanded to play an advisory role in the National Cabinet. Western Australia's Burrup Peninsula could soon be a World Heritage-listed site if an application by the federal government is successful. The area is considered to be the most important rock art site in the world and has been at the centre of a clash between conservationists and gas suppliers keen to expand operations in the area. The move comes as Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek weighs up approvals for those developments. A drug called Ozempic is in short supply after one of its side effects, significant weight loss, was revealed and subsequently co-opted by people seeking quick fixes on social media and in Hollywood but its sudden popularity is driving a much larger conversation about how we treat obesity. That's in today's episode. It's the most contentious question in the world of healthcare right now should drugs be used to treat obesity? And it's one the Australian's health editor, Natasha Robinson, attempted to answer in the Weekend Australian magazine. She joins me now. Natasha, this debate revolves around the question of whether or not obesity should be treated as a disease or as a confluence of lifestyle factors, What are some of the different views floating around on this issue?
0: Yes, there is quite a polarised debate as to whether obesity should be viewed as a disease. Most of the medical authorities around the world do actually recognise obesity as a disease. And many of the frontline doctors who treat people living with obesity, including endocrinologists, do regard obesity as a disease and the reason for that is that there's a very big debate around whether it actually has a genetic basis or not. That is hotly contested and the Australian Medical Association just rejects that entirely because they say how can there have been these radical genetic changes in the past 50 years. But there are metabolic and biological processes that are well recognised and science-based that do make losing weight very hard and keeping it off very hard. And there's certain processes that go on within the body that primes the body to regain weight. And they include changes in the hormones within the release by the hypothalamus, that control, hunger and satiety. So that's why doctors say it is just so extraordinarily difficult, especially for people who have reached a certain weight, to lose weight through reducing your calories and increasing your exercise. And doctors who are at the front line of trying to help these people say it's made so much worse because they're blamed for their condition and they're subject to stigma and discrimination. This sort of stigma that actually is not acceptable or tolerated in any other part of life these days. At the other end of the spectrum, there are doctors who argue that it is only a very small minority of people who fall into this category where metabolic factors make it impossible for them to lose weight. And their argument is essentially that everybody should be able to lose weight if their diet is the right kind of diet. And then there's a whole bunch of other debates around what that right kind of diet is. But one of the main voices on this side of the debate is Professor James Mukey. He just feels that the problem is the seed oils, ultra processed foods, our modern lifestyles, our obesogenic society. In his view, these are the factors that are causing such a high level of overweight and obesity in our society. And to say that this is a disease that can Be fixed by a pill. He's very wary of that approach. He's actually concerned that it will undermine those important changes that we need to make in terms of lifestyle and the structure of our society in order to prevent obesity.
1: And tell me about the specific drugs that are being prescribed here. What do we know about them?
0: The medication that we have heard most about is a Zempic. It's a diabetes drug. It's what is called a GLP-1 agonist, which means it acts directly on the brain. It has some effects in the digestive system as well. It, it slows the speed at which your stomach empties, and has some positive effects on your blood sugar but essentially it works so well because it reprograms and controls your hunger and satiety hormones and you feel essentially less hungry and more full when you do eat food so it is proving highly effective there's been all sorts of problems with it because it became in such high demand and was being prescribed quite widely off-label for weight loss and then diabetics were not able to access it and it caused a huge problem and it caused the regulator the tga to crap down on it and essentially say that only diabetics should be prescribed it
1: Drugs like Ozempic are clearly in high demand.
0: Sales for a diabetes drug in the United States has skyrocketed after its weight loss side effects went viral on social media. The fad is causing a nationwide shortage of the medication, affecting those with diabetes who really need it.
1: How is this kind of wild west of weight loss pills affecting people who have been prescribed drugs for the genuine treatment or management of obesity, particularly here in Australia, where this approach isn't as mainstream as it is elsewhere?
0: So it's been incredibly hard to get for weight loss. Very little supply right now for anyone. But there is essentially the same drug that has actually been specifically approved in Australia for weight loss called Wigovi, and we don't have a date when that is going to be available, but it is expected to be within the next six months, and it's already been very widely prescribed in America. So we are entering an era where these drugs are going to be available and more effective ones coming online all the time. Cost is an issue because they're not subsidised on the PBS at this stage. So we don't know how expensive they're going to be, but WeGobi has certainly been extremely expensive in America.
1: Stay with us. After the break, Natasha Robinson delves into the future of weight loss drugs in Australia. social media and oddly enough pop culture have played a role in catapulting this conversation into the mainstream tell
0: me a bit about that i think the first sort of awareness in a lot of people's minds came from hollywood in terms of Azempic. I've injected about four or five of my friends with Ozempic. Well, so my doctor, my anti-aging doctor, just hands it out to anybody. I didn't even know I was on it. And then it kind of got picked up by TikTok and then it sort of exploded from there. Just finished week one on Ozempic. Now it's time to take my second dose. Hey
1: guys, so I'm gonna tell you my one month review and experience of Ozempic. So it doesn't work when you get off of it. Like you have to be on it. So it's not. I gain double the
0: weight back. I think what it does demonstrate is just this crazy popularity that's actually likely to arise. Doctors are going to have to grapple with that because these are not drugs for everyone, right? These are approved by the medical regulator in the case of Wegovy only for people with a BMI above 27 in some specific cases with comorbidities, but it's essentially for people with a BMI above 30. It's actually approved as an adjunct to lifestyle interventions and traditional diet and exercise approaches. There are people in Australia at the moment who are sourcing azempic from overseas and there's nothing, you know, illegal about that, but people are going to try to get these medications however they can in some cases. It reflects in the case of people who are substantially overweight, the desperation almost because so many of these people that I've spoken to have been trying so hard with traditional methods and they're so unhappy. It's not a vanity project. So that kind of demand, you can completely understand it.
1: Is there a possibility that we could see these drugs become publicly funded in the future? Where does the government stand on all of this?
0: Well, it's a very difficult issue because we have such a high level of overweight and obesity in Australia. You know, three in four people are overweight or obese. So there was an application made by Novo Nordisk to the Pharmaceutical Benefits Advisory Committee to have WEGO be approved on the PBS so that it was subsidised and available at a low cost to people who were prescribed it, and that was rejected. And one of the main reasons that it was rejected was it was just going to cost too much money. If you read their reasons for turning this application down, there was just such a lot of uncertainty about how, actually how long people would have to take these drugs. Some doctors who are prescribing them are openly saying, I actually believe this is a drug that my patients will have to be on for their whole life. There is the argument, of course, the health costs would be be reduced to the system if a lot of people were not significantly overweight. But there is quite a lot of activity going on in this general space, quite apart from this debate and discussion that's going on and the advent of these weight loss drugs. We've just got a new 10-year plan for obesity and overweight, and that has some quite promising aspects to it in terms of prevention. So the government has just commissioned a review of the clinical treatment guidelines. And this will be really fascinating because obviously the weight loss drugs loom large. And I think there'll be a very lively debate on where they should fit into those treatment guidelines. But it seems clear that they will form a part of them, which is quite significant. One approach they're flagging is a movement away from this idea that weight loss is an individual responsibility. We need to acknowledge that this is a problem caused by society. And the other interesting aspect of what they're looking at is that they're not going to, you know, necessarily endorse calorie reduction approach in all cases. We're going to see quite a different set of clinical guidelines once they have reviewed all of the evidence and undertaken their consultation.
1: Natasha, one last thing for us to consider is that the way we view, manage, talk about obesity is also a fraught cultural conversation, as you've said, and it often becomes tangled with the body positivity movement, but that's attempting to achieve a related but ultimately very different goal. We're tired of just talking about it. We're tired of the misery and the pain of hating our bodies. My goodness, Australia, we are ready for change. So... With that in
0: mind, are
1: we having the right conversations about obesity at all?
0: I think the body positivity movement is ultimately a very, very positive thing. I was speaking to Tiffany Petrie, who's a spokesperson for the Obesity Collective, about this issue. And their organisation really supports body positivity. But their main message is that they support people focusing on their health and coming from a place of health and if you want to lose some weight to be healthy that should not be seen as a contravention of the body positivity message. You know, some of the people who were significantly overweight said that while they think it's a great message and they do try to connect with it and aspire to that, for them, some of the day-to-day realities are more important and significant. You know, I think ultimately that's a really positive movement and, and should be embraced, but there also needs to be a recognition and compassion that for people who are struggling so much with significant levels of obesity. We're sort of talking about a a different issue here.
1: Natasha Robinson is The Australian's health editor. You can read that story as well as all our journalism anytime at theaustralian.com.au